Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are in a series called Questions, God, Faith, Life, and the Challenge of Being Human. The question for today is, why are Christians so judgmental if they can't even follow their own quote-unquote rules? So before we begin this conversation, we want you to ask the question, what area of your life are you striving for perfection? Enjoy. So uh, we're going to talk about this this morning. When I was like, what areas of your life do you strive for perfection? Was anyone like all of them? You don't have to raise your hand, but (laughs) I'm sure you're here. Uh, Okay, so uh, we're going to start off with a scripture this morning that may be familiar to some of you. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother or sister or other person's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to them, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from their eye. I've heard this, right? This is, comes after Jesus saying, do not judge, right? So as we talk about judgment this morning, um, we talk about this scripture, we talk about this pretty classic idea I think we all understand, which is, I feel like, where the question came from this morning of why are Christians so judgmental, right? Everyone in here maybe, probably, has felt judged by someone who you have felt like didn't have sort of the authority to stand, right? Like, we've all felt judged by someone, but it's like, your life is, right? We've all experienced this of like, I'm sorry, are you nitpicking about, you know, what I'm doing? And I just, like, see a tree in your eye. Um, So we've all experienced this uh, probably on both ends, right? We've all also probably been the people that are like, ooh, what's that juicy gossip about that person, right? Um, And so we're going to talk about this this morning. But like I said, you can't talk about judgment without talking about perfection. So when we see a lot in the scripture who Jesus is coming after, who he's talking to, it's the Pharisees. Uh, And the Pharisees, I feel like, have a really bad rap because they weren't necessarily uh, out for the best for Jesus. But fundamentally, I feel like they were experiencing something that so many of us experience, right? They had said, I just committed my life to something, so I want to be the best at it. I'm going to learn this law. I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to mess up. I'm going to do exactly what they say. If I do exactly what they say, everything ties up in this night, neat box, and I need to do that. And if someone's coming, Jesus, and disrupting that, um, then I'm not about it, right? Because there's no, I, I want to be the best, right? That's a Pharisee thing. That's a Christian thing. That's kind of a human thing. Um, so in my, in my family, I'm the baby, and I'm like so true to my birth order, right? Like I just, I'm a stereotype. Um, and my older sister, so I have an older brother and an older sister. My older sister is seven years younger than my oldest brother. So she has, she's a middle child, but also an oldest kind of child vibes. She's got all those stereotypes. 
And when my sister was in second grade, she was at like the end of the year assembly. And my dad tells this story so funny. So she's at the assembly, and a student got an award for perfect attendance. And my parents said she looked at my parents as if they had betrayed her. <laughs> because no one had yet told her that you can get an award for perfect attendance. <laughs> Since that day, she was like, you will make my doctor's appointments on Saturdays. I'm not missing a day of this thing, right? <laughs> There are awards at stake, right? <laughs> of course, the next year she gets it. She gets a signed letter from Bill Clinton. Anybody remember him? Um, doesn't miss a day of school. Fast forward, she has her PhD by 30, and I'm pretty sure never missed a day from that point on. Um, and so that's just, it's who we are, right? If we find out that there's something that we can categorize in our, categorize in our mind and they have given us a standard to be quote unquote perfect at it, a lot of us will go for it, right? And we will never look back. So I think a lot of times we look at the Pharisees and it's easy to be like, you're just evil people, right? But they all kind of fall into this human condition that we all have of like, well, just tell me the rules, tell me the guidelines so I can fit nice and neatly in them and I don't have to worry about whether I'm out or whether I'm in, right? That's perfection. Thanks. That's all of us, am I right? <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> I don't know why that was like, so it felt like, yeah, like we're perfect. Um, so that's where a lot of, I think, our, what we experience, or if some of us have experienced this judgmental kind of vibe in our Christian experience, it's because we have been handed and we have been handing out a poor theology that says, oh, there is something you should be striving for, it's perfection. There's nice and neat boxes that are out and in, and as long as you stay in and tell anyone that's out that they're out, you can kind of be a part of this, right? And so the problem is, let me come over here, babe. The problem with perfection is that it's, it's actually not real, right? Like if this is perfection, and we're always trying to get here, we'll never make it, right? This is an unrealistic thing. So if you are someone and you're striving for perfection, you will always feel a little bit like you're not good enough. And in case you're wondering where judgment comes from, it's always an internal problem. If you live your life and you are always feeling like you are not good enough, like you're not meeting the mark because it's an unrealistic mark, that's how we respond to people out of that, Then no one else is, right? So you've been handed this theology that says, your whole life, you're just trying to be perfect, and if you can get perfect, you'll be in, and anyone that's not perfect, as we have deemed perfection by this litany of things that you can do, then they're out. So, perfection says, I have to always try to do better, I'm never good enough. Well, then the opposite of perfection is this idea of being present, right? Because if perfection isn't reality, then the opposite of that is being present in reality. What's actually happening? And reality is really, really tricky and messy, right? There is no perfection in reality. That baby's so sad about that fact. <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you. There is no perfection in reality, right? And so the opposite of striving for perfection is being present in your life. So, I'm gonna talk about some monks that can maybe help us understand this dilemma. So fundamentally, I'm gonna start with the idea that religion has taught us what to see, but Jesus is trying to teach us how to see, 
We're going to talk a little bit about that difference. In my mind, that's helpful for the difference between uh, trying to be perfect and understanding how to be present is a difference between learning what to see and learning how to see. So uh, Tibetan monks, there's something that happens um, when you're moving sort of from this beginning stage into the next wave. You spend three years being introduced to every single one of Buddha's teachings for three years, OK? At the end of that, uh, what happens is this thing, it's called the consequentialist debate. So what happens is now uh, some older monks will gather around you, and you will spend days, literally days, going through every single one of Buddha's teachings. And the first section is you go through every single one of the teachings that you have learned over three years, and you talk about all the ways in which it could be bad for the world. And everyone just nods, and it's like, OK. Then as soon as you're done, you start right back over the first teaching, and you talk about all the ways that it could be good in the world. Everyone nods, and OK. And that's it, right? That is the end, right? How unsatisfying is that, right? How unsatisfying that no one is counting what are the bad things that could happen, what are the good things happen, so that you know if we can throw this teaching out or not, right? It just is. There's something non-dualistic that they're teaching to say, oh, life doesn't fit in either categories of perfect or imperfect. And by the way, if it did, where Jesus always is, is imperfect um, with the disaster and the disarray. We don't even see God in perfection in scripture because it's, it's not real. But how much easier is it that we get to take things and say, this is exclusively bad, this is exclusively good, and I don't even want to get into the nuance of how it could maybe be both, right? But these monks are learning and teaching us to say, maybe it just is, right? Uh, I was talking to uh, my wife about this uh, morning and just these things, this monks, and she was like, it sounds like the last year of our life. I was like, yeah, it does, right? Uh, we just went on this crazy journey where we said, hey, let's come out, right? Super casually like that one day over coffee. Um, let's just see what happens. Um, no, but we made this decision, right? And as we're making this decision, we're thinking, OK, well, people might treat us differently, but some people might uh, respect what we've done, but maybe we'll get to be in love and maybe we'll get married. And maybe marriage will be easy, maybe it'll be hard. Maybe some people won't like our parents, maybe some people won't like our friends. Maybe we'll get more friends, maybe we'll get new friends. I don't know, maybe we'll keep our old friends, right? And we go around and around in a circle. And if we had stopped for one minute to try to figure out, is this exclusively good or exclusively bad, I think we would still be there having that conversation. We just decided to be present in our reality. We just finished um, uh, our wisdom series in Proverbs. And I fundamentally believe that wisdom is the freedom to be fully present, right? Wisdom is the thing that is constantly pulling us out of the clouds and saying, stop reaching for perfection. You're not even going to find God there. Be fully present in your reality, and then let's see what we're talking about. Stop trying to change what you see and start trying to change how you see it because the what will never change. This world is always imperfect. It will be. That's the what. But how are we going to see it? How do we interact with it? How do we take something that's complicated and good and hard and messy and just be, right? So we live the past year of our lives in this wild whirlwind where we had the most devastating year or days I've ever had. And the 
best days of my life I've ever had. We got married, we lost friendships, we got new friendships, we had really hard conversations with parents, some painful things were said over the internet, you know? Some awesome things were said over the internet. When I look back and I'm like, was this year exclusively good or exclusively bad? The answer is yes, right? <laughs> it just was. And I think that is what the, the, the scripture what the scriptures and the gospels are calling us to is, is to change how we see. What's so fascinating about this passage of scripture, which I love, it has this moment where it's like, stop uh, looking at the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye and address the plank in your eye, right? But then it keeps going and says, so that you can help to remove the speck from someone's eye, right? So it circles back to this idea of like, don't judge anyone, look at yourself, so that when you're done looking at yourself, you can look back at your community and hand them a different lens, right? For not changing what we see, but we're changing how we see it, then I think for a lot of us, when we sit down and we do the internal work to change not what we see, but how we see, now we ask different questions about the people in our lives. So maybe it's less of, hey, what's wrong with your eye? And more of, hey, are you seeing all right? Right? How do we offer a more generous, sort of a, a, a non-dualistic approach to, to what we see happening in someone's life, right? So I think um, I was thinking about this, this this morning, and I was thinking about how whoever asks this question, right, you have probably experienced judgment from people. And let's say maybe even you have done the internal work to say, man, it's not even about what you see, it's about how you see it. And maybe you approach that person and they just weren't ready for it, right? What do we do with, with, with things like this? Um, so when I was in high school, let me tell you this like awful story. When I was in high school, I went to high school in Colorado. Whoop. No? All right. Uh, Aurora, no one? So my, uh, my high school, we had the only uh, openly lesbian uh, principal. Uh, only openly gay principal in, in Colorado. Uh, her name was Dr. Jarvis. She was awesome. Rocked a mean pantsuit every day. Um, and so because of Dr. Jarvis and her advocacy, we also had the only gay club in the county. It was called Heart, in case you're wondering. Two H's stood for... <laughs> That was the size. 2000, okay? Uh, homosexual and heterosexual alliance reaching for tolerance. Heart, everyone. Yes, it was great. Um, so because of that, our school, we just, we just had more access to diversity than other schools. So I'm on my own um, oblivious journey of my own sexuality at the time. Uh, but I had a friend, a good friend named James. James was out. He had been out since he was 13. He was great. Um, and one day, James came to me in the most just uh, responsible and mature way and said, hey, hey, Beans, you know, um, you probably don't mean it in this way, but you say that's so gay for, like, everything. And as a gay, um, you know, student, it, it just impacts sort of the way I see myself, and it's tied to something negative, and just was the greatest about it. And I literally looked him dead in his eye and was like, you're so gay, be quiet. I'm not, I don't mean it like that. <laughs> Just disregarded everything he said and continued for the rest of my high school career to say that's so gay for everything, right? Joke's on me. <laughs> but, 
But there are times and moments, right, where you feel like this. This kid, I have scoured Facebook to try to find him. By the way, just be like, oh man, I'm I'm just I'm so sorry. Uh, can't find him mainly because I can't remember his last name, and there are a lot of Jameses. In case you're wondering, <laughs> on Facebook. Um, because I was thinking about the very real reality that I think a lot of us, maybe in this room, as we've talked about, sort of how this room and communities like this kind of kind of help you look inward and changes the way, uh, changes how you see things, right? We're a community of saying, like, is God bigger? Are there more things? And you sort of develop these things. And I think a lot of people in this room have sort of looked inward and say, what are the planks keeping me from seeing? And how do I change that? Um, and so then we go back to, to a world that says it's this or that, and sometimes it's dismissed, right? Like, whatever, be quiet on me in that way, right? And that's, that's a painful reality that I just want to acknowledge of like, it doesn't always work out perfectly that as you evolve and you think something new and then you take it back to your community and they're just like, shut up, it's not like that, right? It's a very real, uh, it's a very real uh, reality of what can happen when you do that, right? That happened to me and now I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, what a jerk, right? Um, but that was many years down the road. And so how do we, now begin to change not what we see, but how we see it, and how does that impact our community? So in the beginning, I was talking about how judgmental or judgment is always an internal, an internal uh, process, right? That we see externally. If we're judging people, right, it's because we're judging ourselves. If you live in a world and you always feel like you're just not good enough, guess how you see other people? They're just not good enough, right? If you feel like a failure, if you feel like you have been tied into things and you haven't been able to pursue your dreams, guess how you're gonna respond to people who get to be free and do theirs, right? So the, the first thing and the best thing that we can do is to then look inward, right? What are the planks that are changing? Not what we see, but how we see. And as we do that, we enter into a long conversation, a very long conversation. I think Corey was talking about a couple weeks ago how when sort of people started to want things immediately, right? Um, was it agricultural revolution, industrial? Revolution. Industrial revolution, right? One of them. All of a sudden, things can be instant, and we still want them to be instant, right? We want things that way. So let's walk out of this room, everybody, today, and just let's stop striving for perfection, right? Right? And everyone's like, okay, yeah, like raise a hand, stand up, whatever you wanted, it's, it's gone, don't worry, just go out there and just be free, right? It's so unrealistic, right? I joke, I don't joke. Yeah, I do, but um, <laughs> I was joking with my friend the other day about like how I feel like we're in this weird time and space as a culture where people will do anything to lose weight except diet and exercise. You know what I mean? <laughs> If I just submerge myself in enough sea salt for four days, it will just eat it. Eat, eat the body. You know what I'm like, wow, like every time I look, it's like some like really wild thing. Um, when reality is, it's probably just a year of slowly changing how you move and what you put in your body, and then you get some slow results, right? Um, I like to run. And uh, let me just be clear before I even tell the story. When I mean run, it's so slow, it's basically a hard walk, okay? It's like, right, that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, but I like to do it, right? But I haven't had 
this space or capacity. It's been such a wild year. Most of the days I've been like, am I breathing? You know, not am I running? Um, and so the past few months I've been like, let me get back into running, right? So I've been running the Rose Bowl. Shout out to the Rose Bowl. No one? Yes. All right. Thank you. Um, so I've been running the Rose Bowl. And I was like, babe, I'm going to run four times a week, every week. And in my mind, I'm three weeks away from Serena Williams. <laughs> pregnant body, by the way. I, I just want, you know, like not even in her prime. I will take her pregnant body. Um, and so I'm running, it's four days a week, running the roads, that's three miles a day, uh, four times a week, and three weeks in, and like literally I am the exact same everything. Size, mentally, speed, agility, like nothing has <laughs> noticeably changed in my life, right? Where I was like, wow, I really thought I was three weeks. That's so much hard work I put into becoming Serena Williams and nothing, right? So then three more weeks and I'm like, I took 20 seconds off that one mile. Added 10 on the third, but the first one I took 20 off, right? It has just been this funny mental game of like, I don't even believe that it's possible to look like Serena Williams after three weeks of running, but somewhere I do, right? You know what I mean? It's like, it's such a long conversation to, to deconstructing things that we have literally been given a lot of us since childhood. People, you know what I mean? Like we have grown up in a culture that's like fast and quick and even our church culture of like, do you wanna get rid of that thing? Raise your hand right now, right? So it's a long conversation. It's a long way to Serena Williams. And it's a long way to deconstructing how we understand perfection versus being present, right? The things don't just change. That they are deeply internalized of like, we are trying to be perfect and I will look and I will judge everyone else. Come on, we're in a really long conversation about that. It's gonna take a while. Um, we were talking the other day even about, or I was talking to Corey about this. And I was like, I, as soon as I knew I loved Sammy, I just imagined all the homophobia I'd ever been exposed to just disappeared out of my body, but it didn't. Some of it was even on me, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden I'm like, why do I love this person so much? But for a while I'm like kind of embarrassed to hold your hand. Well, why? Oh gosh, this is such a long process. You know, like I'm slowly deconstructing things I've, I've held and I've been taught and I've been told until finally I feel like I'm changing the way I see. And as things start falling out of my own eyes, now I'm looking around and I'm less likely to be like, what's wrong with your eyes, right? And more likely to be like, gosh, how are you seeing? I just opened up the way, I was like a Zyrtec commercial, you know what I mean? Where it's like blurry and then all of a sudden it's like clear. Um, and those are the conversations we get to go in. So the question, why are Christians so judgmental? Because they are, you know what I mean? Because they're people because they have been handed a very lazy and cheap theology that says, just fall into this right and wrong, and if you're more right than wrong, you'll get to go the elevator upstairs when this is done. You know what I mean? Ah, oh, but there's a, such a rich and deeper theology that Jesus is calling to that says, what if it's more inward? What if it's not right? What if it's not that clear? What if you have to really be present? What if this stuff is nuanced? What if the plank in your eye has been there since you were four? You know what I mean? You don't just yank that thing out. You're slowly chipping away. And as you chip away, you can start to look around and be like, do you want to join me in this process? 
We don't have the luxury of just pulling stuff out, running around, and now we're different people. We are all involved in the long conversation of how are we learning to be more present? Where is the wisdom that is teaching us that perfection isn't even reality, right? That's a cheap and an easy way to say like, well, as long as I'm not drinking, smoking, or gay, I guess I'm okay, right? And I'll have, until something confronts that and we're forced to say, oh, it's not about what you see, it's about how you see. And how do we allow our encounters and our reminders of Christ to change the way we see the world? Does that make sense? Sonia, any questions? Great. So um, you're gonna jump back into your groups and uh, we're gonna talk about this question where, what are the areas of your life that you want to be more present? Discuss. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.